every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Fede and before we get started let's go quickly over the Russian Premier League results. So kicking it all off was Krylia Sovetov 0-1 to Ufa, Rostov Ural 0-0, Ahmad Rubin 1-1, Lokomotiv surprisingly losing to Dinamo 1-2, Zenit beat Spartak 1-0, yeah, I know someone was not going to be too happy about this. Grasnoda 0, Tampov 0. CSKA losing surprisingly to Arsenal Tula 1-0. And then, oh, we're actually going to start with this one, boys. Sochi, I'm putting an XX here, Orenburg. That game has been postponed. Well, we have to talk about this, but let's welcome back Tim first, shall we? Tim, you've been gone for a couple of weeks. So happy to have you back on. Really excited to hear your voice. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having me back. <clears throat> I, w- I was sent uh, to down to the reserves. I served my time with the U19 football grad team, and now I'm back for the for the main squad. Uh, ho- hopefully, the super sub Vadim uh, did a great job for me. And yeah, I'm happy to be here, and this is going to be um, yeah exciting podcast. Happy to hear to be back here. You know, we would never send you to reserves. It was an injury, <laughs> right? Uh, let's put it down. Yeah, let's, let's it. <laughs> injury reserve list. That's where you were on. Uh, I'm so happy to have you back on. Um, Thanks, we we guys, get to thank you. we get to talk about injuries and sickness in just a moment. Uh, I I know <laughs> that Andrew just can't wait to chat about this. Um. Andrew, how are you doing? I hope you're doing a lot better than the guys in Sochi. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely doing better than, better than the, the Sochi players. Um, yeah, not even too bad, I suppose. And uh, mercifully, I've had a few extra minutes, uh, an extra hour or so, um, to get a few more cups of coffee inside me. So I'm all set to go. And uh, I just got to say, Tim, it's been it's so good to have you back, buddy. Um, much you may have gone down to the PFL West for a game or two. You're back in the Premier League and that's where you belong, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Well, you know, I I always try to keep this podcast very explicit-free, guys. And um, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult today. I think we're going to go... We're going to get that E within the first few minutes of it. So... Um, 
Andrew, you put this in the into the news section, um, and you sort of ask, "Well, what's a rotavirus?" Having experienced a rotavirus, I, I'll tell you, it's quite simple. One thing: it's a shit, Andrew. <laughs> it's the, it's the <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you described it very delicately in that exact way, I thought, well, oh, man, he's probably just having a bit of a joke. But we've we've done a bit of reading up, or you've you've done some reading up for me. Um, First hand really research. Does sound pretty... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right, right, exactly. It, I have to be honest; it sounds genuinely, genuinely horrific, and I think a fairly, fairly decent reason to postpone the match. Um, so Sochi have um, got off scot-free there, I guess. Well, not scot-free. They've got a lot of race virus to deal with. So hopefully it'll be done and dusted out of the way. As I understand that it can pass within a couple of days or so. Um, but hopefully Sochi will be, well, up and running at the very least. But they're not running very well at the moment. So we'll see how much good that does them. Yeah, it's, it's violent and quick. They're running very good to the toilet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's very very contagious. Um it takes very little. I remember my my wife brought it home from work. I mostly do when I'm not hanging out in the stadiums, I do home office, so I'm usually staying far away from any areas that could be um contaminated with this um hell of a virus. But yeah, she brought it home from work because she works with people that have offspring and they, of course, have, have it in schools and kindergartens, etc. And, uh, she brought it home. It wiped out half her office. And that, that was a big office. It's government. And, um, by the time it arrived here, it wiped out our entire family within 48 hours. So can you imagine what that will do to a dressing room? Um, tell you, man, they're not lying. That team is done. <laughs> And it's like they didn't have enough problems. They are they are on the very last place. They're not having the best of the season, and now they're getting the the, the S virus. <laughs> you, 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 we are already explicit, Tim. They got the shits. I mean, yeah, shit, shit virus. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, yeah. You you broke you've broken the seal now, man. It's it's all all hell that's loose now on the football grab podcast. They really they. They couldn't be a more appropriate way for them to to cancel it because they've been so shit this season and now they've got the shit. So I think it's just 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 desserts. Really. Full circle. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh dear me! I tell you one thing though, uh, boys. Um, you know, joking aside, I, I'm sure we must mention a word for our our colleague Saul Pope. who will be devastated that his favourite Russian Premier League side are just on the ropes right now. So. You know, just the thought for Saul in this difficult time for him. I wonder if he was in Sochi looking at um, churches. <laughs> Saul loves the south of Russia, though. He he's <laughs> he's a he's an experienced man of the world. I'm sure he has traveling and business interests possibly abroad. So it would be perfectly justifiable. He's a fluent Russian speaker, so there's no reason why he wouldn't just innocently mm. drop by in the south of Russia. Why not? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There will be one that sold Pope signs uh, in Sochi very soon. So um, this game, apparently, when are they going to play this? Do we know any dates yet? Yeah, it looks like they're going to play it on the reserve day of February 23rd, which is a fairly cold uh, time of the year in Russia. Hopefully all the shits will be frozen by then, but, uh, me, you know, maybe <laughs> well, m- maybe in Sochi it's not that bad. Tim, Tim, I just, it just 
brings to mind that phrase that I've learnt out here, that a common saying out, certainly in Siberia anyway, um, in spring you see who shits where. Um, exactly. And they usually refer to, but for, on the first level, like all of the all of the dog shit, and I'm just going to say shit from now on because you said shit <laughs> at the beginning, Manny, because we're yeah. we're allowed to say shit now. Um, all the all the dog shit is frozen in the snow, so when the snow melts, it really is quite literally disgusting. But also about you know revealing people's secrets. So perhaps you know we will see where Sochi shit in the spring. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a revealing thing. Oh, 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 we've gone down a slippery slope, opening up with the rotavirus and, uh, yo, yeah. Well, it's, we're just covering Russian football news. There's nothing. Yeah, really we're doing we're a job. We're, we're, we're doing we're a service, coming up right? with it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so we know that Sochi, um, shed, um, they have the sheds and they're going to try to get out of the shed by February 23rd when they're making up this game. Um, that, that's, that's great news. Uh, we're going to, of course, talk a little bit more about the, the last games because we are actually almost at the winter break, which is, it's hard to believe we're almost there. Um, very, very long winter break that we always have to face. Um, there is some football still to be played. Um, amongst others, the, the last game of the season, of course, which is this weekend. And then some clubs will be involved in the Europa League. And we're going to talk about the Europa League a little bit, but, First, we need to talk about Krasnodar and um, a little bit of political news. Russia is one of the countries that do not recognize the, the Kosovo. Now, Basel, of course, played Krasnodar um, on Thursday in the Europa League. And one of the Basel players was not granted a visa, um, Edon Shekova, um, because he is a citizen of the Kosovo. Now, you would think, okay, well, that's typical Russian, isn't it? Um, them not recognizing the Kosovo. Of course, they have close ties to Serbia. This is where the, the political reasons fall into. But they're actually not alone in this. Um, Ukraine doesn't recognize the Kosovo either. And neither do EU countries, Spain, Slovakia, Greece, Cyprus, and Romania. And Romania is, of course, the host country of, of this European championships, as is Spain. And when Kosovo played, um, their European Championship qualification game against Ukraine, they actually had to play the game, the Ukrainian home game in Poland, in neighboring Poland. So this is a complicated situation, isn't it, uh, Andrew? Well, it is. And, and to be quite frank with you, I, I'm not entirely sure how it will be resolved. I mean, th this is the thing. When you're talking about a football tournament, we're not talking about a political summit. We're not talking about politicians. And I, I'm not going to go down the route of regurgitating one of the most, I don't know, misplaced cliches in football, which, you know, politics and sports shouldn't mix. They, they simply do. And I'd argue sports is one of the most powerful conduits of politics. But mm. UEFA can't make political decisions. They have accepted a member, um, how and Kosovo as a member, how that is going to play out? They can't. They can't dictate to Russia. Well, I, I assume they can't. Um, you must let Kosovans into the country. Um, I, I, I honestly, I just, I don't really know. I mean, we we know, of course, pre, you know, there is precedent for countries that either um are in disputes or have difficult political relations and UEFA tends to keep them away. So I guess the only answer will be for UEFA simply to force none of those um none of those countries you mentioned that don't 
recognise Kosovo as a country to to allow them to play there is is going to have to be artificially done that way. I guess it's the only answer. But in the long term, it's it's not really for UEFA to to sort out. They they are mm. dealing on the, the sport side of things, um, but they do have a huge social responsibility too. So I guess just simply stepping in and and artificially. Um, engineering the draw um, so that there aren't any clashes like that. But it's certainly not going to make it easy. Well, it's not because, listen to this. So if Romania win Group C, no problem. Uh, if, if Sorry, if Romania win the playoff path A, they will automatic, automatically enter Group C, which is the group, of course, that is hosted by Amsterdam and Bucharest. Um, how Group C is split between Amsterdam and Bucharest, that you know, geographically, how do you split two countries that far apart, uh, a group that far apart? Sure, that's a completely different issue. But, um, so if Romania win playoff path A, no problem. UEFA are fine. But get this. Otherwise, the winner of playoff path D will enter group C. Now, the Kosovo are in playoff path D. If they win that playoff path and Romania do not win playoff path A, and they very well might not because they're facing Iceland and then the winner of Bulgaria or Hungary, right? Then the Kosovo will be playing um, games in Romania, a country that does not recognize them. I mean, that's just a huge pickle that UEFA put themselves into. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, it, like I say, man, it, they 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 simply can't stage those games. This is this is actually, I would argue, even more. <laughs> important almost than when you know, three or four years ago for example when tensions were very high between Turkey and Russia they wouldn't have allowed games to take place there or Ukraine and Russia you know hosting countries then um, this is not even a matter of wanting to it's just until and like you mentioned until countries recognize another they literally cannot allow that person because they don't they don't recognize the country it can't happen so whatever whatever happens I think we may very well end up seeing a, well, a another draw basically they may have to simply just redo the draw so just purely to satisfy these permutations but um it, the planning stage for the qualification has not been the smoothest ride as we have covered a few times on this podcast and this i'd say partly to be fair to you but only partly uh this is slightly beyond their control to a degree but they knew this could happen and they should have planned for it. And it doesn't look like it's a, a clear answer to what they will do next. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on that story developing. Um, speaking of the UEFA Euro Championships, Tim, UEFA have said we are confident that there will be no racism at Euro 2020. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because... Ukraine had, of course, a big racism incident. I don't want to single them out um, as the only country. There's many countries that had racism incidents, um, including one of the host countries, Italy, right? But um, Ukraine has just given the award of Ukraine's Football of the Year to Tyson. Um, usually I would say, okay, well, I give this topic to Vadim, but he can't make it. What do you make of this entire thing? It's hard to say if it is the uh, political, or really the, um, you know, sporting decision because he's obviously a good player and he really, you know, deserves to, he's one of the best Ukrainian players. But it's funny how the, how we were talking before the podcast that it is a coincidence how, you know, 
the news about races just come out and then Tyson is the best player. It is interesting on, on the, to play the devil's advocate. Remember how it was always about before the World Cup in Russia that mm. uh, we will have so much racism and there was no problems. Everything was good. Everyone was happy. Everyone loved all the South American fans and everything was great. So, uh, as usual, I will, my glass will be half full and I hope that, you know, everything will be fine. But, you know, going even to the, to the previous topic, which you covered with this whole uh, political thing, you, we have, they kind of got themselves into this trouble. They're hosting this tournament across 12 countries. This is their own whole thing. Like, you know, you're doing this thing, like you will come across political problems by doing yeah. that you you increase potential for racism so i think you have just got the, themselves to blame really in this situation i would actually agree with so, that um, um you know the entire situation the way this tournament was created it, it's a it's a it's a logistical nightmare and then b it's welcoming problems yeah it is and uh, i mean we've, we've i feel like we've talked so much about this tournament but um, we kind of have to because it, it affects a lot of the countries that we cover on this podcast, right? And um, it is hard enough to stage these club competitions, the the Europa League, the Champions League, um, without political incidents because Europe is a messed up place. It's, it's, it's not an easy continent. And, you know, this is the most stable Europe has been and it's still not easy. And um, I just don't... As, as wonderful this utopian vision of UEFA having a European-wide tournament is, I think you bang on. It, invite, it invites all these problems, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like we have so many countries in the on this continent, like Russia, like Soviet Union, who broke up into many countries, and the, and there are some issues between certain countries. Uh, we have the former Yugoslavia, uh, former Czech, Czechoslovakia. All those countries uh, broke into a few different ones. And there are some, obviously, religious, there are some political issues between those countries. And obviously, when you're trying to host um, a tournament which will feature uh, 12 different cities, uh, I'm still blown away. I don't think I'm mixing this up, but I think Azerbaijan, Baku, and, and the other city in the group is Rome. Yeah. Like, how how, is, how this, was that decision was made? Somebody's like... I understand St. Petersburg and Copenhagen and Denmark. This is close. This is, this is normal. This is not, not a problem. But somebody sat down and said, okay, Baku, what's the good, uh, um, logistical, uh, dis- uh, destination? It is Rome. Yes. Let's do it, guys. Like, <laughs> like, like how, how, how you come up with stuff like this? On top of that, you're doing 12 different countries with 24 different nations, which is half of the Europe, pretty much. Like, oof. <laughs> no, I love all you to say that because it's like, oh, let's let's just split a group between ah, I don't know, Vancouver and Toronto. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. That that sounds like a smart smart thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like boys, okay, boys, so... boys. We 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 know yeah, yeah. we know that UEFA are the brains trust of football, so we should we should trust their wisdom. One, okay. Now I say I can't keep a straight face. It's just a load of shit. I'm allowed to say shit this podcast, right? So yeah, it's just shit. Yeah, they should have like had the groups in Kaliningrad and Vladivostok in the 2018 World Cup. That would have been the most efficient European we have uh, style. Oh yeah, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Uh, I guess it's kind of like a test run for when the United States or oh, North America hosts the 2026 World yeah, Cup. Yeah. We're going to have the same uh, logistical nightmare. Um, speaking about 
tournaments that you know shouldn't be held the way they are. As for Tyson, you're quite right. He's he's a wonderful football player. Um, I hope the award was given to him not just because of this incident, but just to also recognize that he is a good player. Uh, I do feel that that did play a role, but um, maybe when we get Vadim back on, we can discuss that in greater length. Uh, what we do need to discuss in greater length, and uh, Andrew, you know, I do remember you mentioning this, you're putting it on the document as we speak, and yes, of course, we will cover this, the PFL East um, being disbanded. Um, that's quite a big impact, right? There's a lot of teams that are going out of business, an entire division of Russian football basically disappearing. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It was a bit of news that broke in the last few days that it'll, it'll take place from next season. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'm not entirely surprised something has happened because it was getting a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? The six teams in the PFL East, and I, I, from my count off the top of my head, at least the last two seasons, and certainly on more occasions in the past, the winners of the PFL East, so the third tier, who would, in theory, be promoted to the national nationwide FNAL second tier, um, the last two seasons, the PFL East winners have refused promotion um, just simply for logistics and costs. Uh, when you're on the verge of dropping into amateur football, you really are at the very bottom of the whole professional pyramid. You are so far away from even the nearest rival within your PFL East division, yet alone the next teams along. Mm. It, it's just... There's no incentive for those clubs to ever get promoted. Um, I mean, we all remember, well, I think it was, was it Akinfeyev's, Igor Akinfeyev's comments in about yeah. 2006 with Lucha Nagir Vladivostok and he said they should be playing in the Japanese league. And there have even been some comments about, well, well let's actually look into that. And actually, you've got to be honest, uh, logistically, it's kind of the only option that is ever going to make any sense if those clubs out in the Far East um, are ever going to have any incentive really to to develop because well, how else are they going to develop? Um, so the long story short is that the, the six teams will be split, not just simply joining the nearest division, the Oral Pavolja division, where the mighty Fekachi men, well, will play for another few months, but they will be split. Two will go into the Oral Pavolja, two will join the centre, and two will join the West League. So we are, we're talking of a situation here where Pishkov near St. Petersburg will be in the same third tier, potentially, as Chita or, or Sakhalin. I mean, it's, it, it, it's in the mind boggles. The mind boggles at how this is the solution they've come to. Um, it's crazy because but, honestly, those, some of those uh, teams in the center, they have very small budget. Those are like pretty much Moscow you know, area uh, teams and for them flying to Vladivostok, like, I mean, even Sakhalin is a big expense. It's, 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 yeah, it's a great, yeah. it's on par with Baku Rome decision. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it, that's, that's, that's exactly it, isn't it, um, Tim? I mean, you, if you want to get an idea, um, the, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but I've, I've, I've asked following, uh, Fekar men in the same, tier this season. I've asked them about the operating budget um, and it's even lower than I thought. I thought the entire club operating budget was around $3 million a year. It turns out it's actually even less than that. And Chumeno is a, it, Chumeno is a wealthy city. It's the third 
highest average salary um, out, out in Russia, outside Moscow and St. Petersburg. You know, it's got the highest standard of living in the whole country. Uh, it's the centre of the oil industry. And this is a this is a city that can't really put much more than $3 million into, into a club. Now, you think of flights. I mean, just to give you an idea, to fly an entire team from Moscow all the way out to Vladivostok or Sakhalin, um, you know, th- there aren't cheap flights to go there. Uh, you'd take you'd take at least 15, 16 players, and that's a very, very small matchday squad. You need, obviously, at least a manager. You have to take at least one physio. Most teams will take two. At least another coach. You need an organiser for the team. You're talking at least 22, 23 people. They've got to have a flight out there. You've got to most likely have at least one night in a hotel. Uh, and if they don't, then they're just putting the players under unbelievable amount of pressure. 25 return flights. I, I would stick my neck out and say that is going to cost at least at least three hundred dollars per person, um, mm. and it, it's it's just a crazy amount of money for one fixture. Um, I don't know. It's it's not the answer. That's all I can say. Um, we talked before. Well, well I'm going to then controversially ask the question because you put down seventy three clubs have gone bankrupt. Um, in the last 15 years, and I believe that number in a heartbeat, and I mean, a lot of those clubs probably have resurfaced. You sort of already mentioned, and I'm putting those questions to both of you, should Russian Far East clubs play in China, Korea, or Japan? I mean, this is... Well... Yeah? There is a... I have in Canada, there's a good friend, uh, his name is Leonid, he's a big a fan of Zenit St. Petersburg, and we always, obviously, that's another, that's for us, uh, first topic of conversation. But the second one, he's always advocating for this idea that, you know, the the the, the parts in, in the eastern part of Russia should be playing in that. But I always, my, we always, we had this discussion so many times, and I always like, listen, the, this is, this cannot happen because it's, it's different calendars. Uh, Russian league calendar is completely different, uh, from the, from the Asian league. How are you going to deal with, uh, with, with European football or like qualification to different champions leagues? Uh, and really, uh, UEFA and FIFA, they don't allow countries to play in the, in the different uh, country. That's like, how many times we heard about this idea about the Benelux League, mm. about uh, um, yeah, about uh, Scottish clubs, Glasgow and um, Celtic joining English football? They just don't allow that. So, like, it, it is it is it is sensible idea, but in kernel format, it's just impossible purely for for scheduling for national teams for for, for everything for for. Um, Champions Leagues, Asian and European, and uh, it's uh, just impossible in the cup competition. Andrew, thoughts? Luke Vladivostok playing in the J-League? Want natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> well, you know there is there is precedent for Russian teams, uh, well, Russian and Chinese clubs in other sports crossing over in the, in the hockey in mm-hmm. uh, Visha Hockey League. There's uh, there's at least one Chinese team, and I believe in the uh, in KHL. the KHL, the Continental yeah. Hockey League as well. So it can happen. Um, the lay the lines are blurred between that rule that's mentioned that in theory clubs are not allowed to compete in other countries' competitions. FC Vaduz playing the Swiss second tier. You've got Welsh clubs playing in the English Premier League. You know, there are there much closer relations there, but there's just been a bridge that's been built uh, across the Russian Chinese border, for example, in the Far East. And there are regular trading links, tourism links between the two, you know, neighboring cities that are, um, you know, across across the river of the borders. Um, so it's not impossible. I don't I don't think it's impossible at all. Um, but how willing the Russian players and clubs would be to do that and how willing players would be then to join that Russian club to then be completely cut off from Russian football. Uh, I don't know. But it. <laughs> The, the short answer is there's very, very little that is going to answer all of the questions in one go just because mm. of the size of the country. But I, what, what they're doing at the moment, I can safely say that is not the answer. It's an intriguing question. Do you, and I mean, I share all of the concerns that you brought forward. Uh, I would agree with Tim. The biggest stumbling block would be, would be FIFA. Um, because it would be FIFA in charge in, in, in this case, um, not UEFA, right? Well, UEFA would have to free up the teams to allow them play in the Asian Football Confederation. Russia would have to allow it. Um, it would be a bureaucratic mess because it wouldn't be just, um, you know, clubs, Welsh clubs are UEFA members. Um, it's a little bit, yeah, you I know, am. you know, going from being a UEFA member to playing the AFC. That's that's a a different that's, beast. That's a problem. It hasn't been done um, at all. Uh, match calendars, yeah, you're right. The J League is on a different calendar. They, I mean, those the Chinese Super League use is on the calendar the Russian Premier League are used to be on. Um, also, J League, I believe, has the foreigners rule. So let's say if they, I don't know what the rule is, but like let's say if they allow only four or five or even. Five, seven foreigners. <laughs> so if you have the whole team of Russians, they 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 don't what, comply. They would have to do exceptions, like they do, like um, MLS does with Canadian clubs, right? Um, for many many years, and I think it's it's slowly changing it. But for many many years, Canadian players are considered foreigners in MLS, except for when they play for Canadian clubs. So they would have to bring in exceptions, um, which then of course, yeah, it's. How do you, what do you do then if these clubs get, pro- how do you promote clubs? What if they do really well in the J League? Do you then exactly. bring them over to the exactly. Russian Premier League? Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you forever, <laughs> do you forever <laughs> exile them to Japan or China, right? Or Korea? Well, I know it's, <laughs> it's, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, man, it's, it's an absolute minefield, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Sakhalin itself historically has been disputed 
between Japan and Russia. So that in itself would be that yeah. that would be a, a minefield to get. So the through. next step my, is my then brother-in-law is. The, mm? the next step then is okay. FC Sakhalin are already playing in J League, and the Japanese government is saying, "It's like, look, your club is already here. You might as well give us the island." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not going to be pretty, is it? It's, it's I, not. Uh, I have heard um, dumber things in politics. I mean, this this is not an out of the world thing. People might be saying, "Oh, this is just football," but it's not. I, as you said earlier, football and politics mix. It's just the reality of the world. That's how it is. Um, you know, the first thing you do, Absolutely. you recognize if, if, if Russia says, okay, well, sure, FC Sahalin, it's a, it's a big city. It's, it's a ferry ride to do the Japanese islands, Japanese islands. Let's just let them play in the J League, um, forever, eternally. And then the next step is like, well, your clubs have already, your own football federation has already recognized that Sahalin is part of Japan. I mean, yeah, you know, and the next thing is Vladivostok playing the K League in Korea. I mean, he's oh, you know, these the, the bridge where the bridge was built. A lot of those territories, uh, Russia and China, still have disputed territories. Um, yeah, so this opens uh, a can of worms. The other other side though is, and this is something maybe to consider. What if the Chinese Super League and the J League say, okay, look. You're not making a lot of money in Russia. Your your expenses are enormous. Um, we're going to make you participate in the television money that we get, and you can play in those in those in a, in our league as a Russian club with all the foreign limitation rules. I could see those clubs being enticed by that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, if if that sort of a deal could be struck, then actually, yes, you you make a good point. Almost. Any league in the world would be more lucrative than the PFL. Um, I mean, I, I, I can absolutely assure everybody this is the case because uh, some of the facilities I've had to endure this season, and I use the word endure lightly. Um, How's the food? I, I, I wouldn't. Huh? How's the food? <laughs> well, actually, ironically, some of the best food I've had has actually been this season. It's just where it's been served and the lack of. Um, I mean, the, the, the crumbling doesn't do justice to some of us. Then Dimitrograd, the last stadium I visited, that was, honestly, I, I thought this must have been built in the 1930s. It was built in 1997, and it already looks older than just, oh, I don't know, it, it's horrific. I mean, so you mentioned, you mentioned, Jaylee, whatever TV deal they have, if they have a TV deal, that is automatically better than the PFL because they don't have a TV deal. They have... Honestly, and I'm, this is this is no joke at all. Some of the games are broadcast by mobile phone. Um, some of the the press officers of the local club they're responsible for providing an internet stream, um, and it's it's all for free. And some of them have been on a mobile phone. I'm not joking at all. Um, so anyway, it is what it is. It, you make a good point. It could well be a very attractive option. The question is, would they be an attractive option to Japan, China or Korea in their leagues? Yeah, it's it's a good question. We we might never find out or we might actually get into a situation where um, you know, those clubs get an offer like that. But that's all, you know, that's all in the future. That's all different leagues. Um, we're here to cover the, the Russian Premier League. Um, finally, because we haven't really done that in great extent over the last couple couple of weeks, but now that Tim is back, 
Um, he's back just in time to see his team lose to Sinit 1-0 in, <laughs> in the Russian Classica. <laughs> well, so we're going to start with that. Tim, um, a lot of teams have lost to Sinit this year, in fairness. You know, this has probably been one of the best starts to the first half of a year. They got 42 points out of the, of, out of 18 games. Um, the eight points clear of, of locomotive. Um, with that in mind, how disappointed are you about this result? You know, it's, to be honest, not very much because, um, you know, Spartak had a tough season. We have, uh, we had a problematic coach who didn't really do a very successful job and uh, Domenico Tedesco came in and he's trying to fix it. Uh, by the way, Manu, I'm becoming a big fan of his, what he's doing so far. Um, you know, it's, it is a tough job right now in Spartak, but I think uh, at least he's, he definitely has the passion. He's working hard, but I don't think it's enough. Um, and uh, Zenit, obviously, if you even take player by player, they have, uh, by far quality players. But at the same time, you know, there were again, like it was a couple of uh, shady decision. Um, one of the reasons and probably the main reasons why I, I don't like uh, Zenit a little bit. Uh, because in Russian we have the saying, all the teams are equal, but Zenit is a little bit more equal. Mm. And then, for example, in this, in this case scenario, um, uh, for the game, it was two referees, which were the worst referees uh, against Spartak. We have the completely, uh, you know, horrible results for them. And one of them, uh, Vilkov, who was disqualified, uh, from the game from, uh, Zenit SK, he's actually disqualified, but he was brought specifically for this game to be on, on war. You know, and this is the, 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 the referee, which is notoriously helping, helping, not helping, helping, quote unquote, but will in favor of Zenit and Spartak had a completely horrible result. Those things happen. Those referees exist. You know, that's, that thing happens. But this person, and you know, you know, if, if it would have been just normal circumstances, I did listen, this is just, this is just uh, some kind of like, you know, me being a Spartak fan and I'm not being not fair. But the body was brought from disqualification just to be on, 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 on video assistance referee. And obviously there was a couple of chances, especially one as Doif chance when he was just ran into, into Spartak's player in, 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 in the, in the box. And there was a clear cut penalty. So, you know, I'm not saying, uh, again, this is just me being Spartak fan and being completely biased, but at the same, was better and they deservedly won and even Domenico Tedesco uh, admitted that across the game but those little things when Zenit is a little bit more equal than all the other teams in the league and when you know their president is still the you know was a president of their team and now is a president of the league these things just bother me a little bit but uh, this is me talking as a completely biased fan um, but yeah that was kind of the game uh, Zenit won they I think yeah they, they were a better team on the night but uh, a couple of <sighs> decisions went the other way Andrew what, what do you say you a little bit more neutral than I am what do you think <laughs> well to be fair to you Tim I actually thought Spartak played um, with a lot of aggression the, the sort of aggression that I'm I'm starting to associate with Tedesco already, and I know what you mean about. I can understand why you say you're pleased with the job he's done so far because, um, yeah, okay, Ostoyev was was sent off, and and when it went down to ten men, it was it was understandable that Zanit would sit back a little bit more, try to avoid defeat as opposed to going for the kill. Um, but that was in itself. I know it's it's scratching at. Yeah, clutching at straws a little bit, but 
it is a tiny sign of respect, I guess, because Zanit, for most teams, if they went down to 10 men, they would still go for go for the second or third goal because they'd be confident enough of doing that. Um, I think I think for Tedesco, the statistics are a little misleading. He's now got, what, only, was it eight points from his first six games, which is a lot worse than Alia Kononov had at the beginning. Um, but it's a very different type of side. Um, Jordan Larson is, I think he's got more of a future than I originally suspected he would do. Um, he looked very lively. Um, and even Rowan Zobnin is adapting a little bit to playing, I guess, almost as a kind of fielder, at least. Um, Niall Mjardov is looking absolutely immense. He was a really, really powerful player again. Um, so, okay, it's 1-0 to Zanit. It's a result that most teams would, deep down, they might not admit it, but they would they would accept, they would write it off. Um, and it was only 1-0. And goal difference may possibly come into play at the end of the season, so that's not a bad thing. And you've got the worst game of the season out of the way now, so I guess there are some positives to be taken from it, certainly. Andrew, you have always been, because Tim brings it up, um, the the whole issue with VAR in the Russian Premier League, the fact that it is not um, really used across the board, that is that is a big issue, mm-hmm. right? They're using it for the big games, but not really for all games. And uh, my opinion is that either you have it for all, or or you don't have it at all. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent, man. And it's it's that that's exactly it. The just on this slightly broader subject of VAR, if you're going to introduce a technology like that, you have to be prepared and prepared in every sense. If it's not across the board in one league, don't have it at all. I 100% agree with that. Um, and even when it is used, it seems even slower, the whole process, than the process in the English Premier League. And in England, it is very, very poorly um, implemented. Uh, the lack of transparency, the way the rules are applied. Um, as we've mentioned before, you've mentioned before anyway, Manu, in the Bundesliga, it, it is, it has been, a lot of the kinks have been ironed out and it mm. works largely how it's meant to. Um, Russia is about the complete opposite. The way it's, the way it is used is, um, it's so counterproductive. It's just idiotic beyond belief. Um, I think it was just simply a case of the Russian Premier League thought, well, we better get it. Everybody else is guessing it, so we'll get it without really thinking it through. Um, what's the purpose of it? A lot of people have seemed to have done that. I mean, in Germany, we had a lot of issues in the first, oh, the first half season was horrendous. Um, and it's still not perfect. They still make mistakes, but you know, um, that's because humans are operating a machine, right? You can never iron it out completely. Um, but, and you almost have the sense that Germany, with all the growing pain that they had, which suspect was to be suspected because it is a new technology, that at least everyone else, and this includes the English Premier League, should have maybe, you know, just hired a bunch of Germans and said, or maybe even just sat them down and said, like, oh, so you had quite a lot of issues your first year. Um, how did you manage those and how did you fix it? But instead, everyone else is going, oh, we're just going to bring it in. See how it goes. You know what could possibly yeah. go wrong? <laughs> I mean, Manny, the, you made you've made one mistake there. You've assumed that people will use common sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're 100% right. It's um, 
I mean, if, if you're going to do anything of such magnitude, what is the very, very first thing anybody would do? You don't even have to be an expert at all. You don't even have to understand the sport. If you're going to make such a big change, what do you do? You do your research. And you do your research by looking, well, has there been any precedent? What have been the positives? What have been the negatives? And then after that, you think, well, how do we want to implement it in our league? And add all of those factors together. Can we do it? Yes or no? Um, I mean, it's that's taken me 10 seconds to summarise off the top of my head. We've, we're talking about a process over years and years mm-hmm. where they've had time to prepare if they wanted to, you know, whichever leagues. I'm not just saying Russia or even England at this point, but... How it's done in Russia is is a pretty much a blueprint for exactly how not to do um, VAR, yeah. um, and it's, it's very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that is that is disappointing. Um, disappointing or not, um, guys, I can't believe it's almost the winter break. We have one more match day, the the one that's going to take place from Friday to Sunday um, on this weekend, and then of course the. Four Russian teams are going to be involved in one way or another in the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, looking at this final match day, Tim, what are the things that you're looking forward to before going into the winter break? What were some of the things that, you know, you want to maybe change, implement it over the winter break? And also, what were the things that kind of surprised you about this first half of the season? Wow, good question. I'm a lot, lots to talk about. Uh, let's talk about the surprises because um, that's kind of what I'm looking. I'm just looking at the table right now. Um, I am surprised um, and pleasantly surprised, even I'm a Spartak fan, but how Dynamo really turned it out a little bit situation in the second half of the season. They were in the relegation zone. Now they are in the sixth uh, place. Again, we have to make a note that um, from the sixth place of this 20, 24 points to the straight relegation where Zrubin is at, which is also surprising, 18 points is only two victories. So it's just, it's very, very condensed and very tight. So, But still, Dynamo improved situation after Akhlov uh, was uh, fired. Uh, Rostov has been a very obviously yeah. um, a, a very interesting story, but uh, there are significant uh, stories and rumors coming out of the club. There's a significant financial issues. Oh no, and not again! The winter is coming now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it is. And even Valer Karpian spoke, and he was quite open. He said, "Yes, we have we have problems. We the players have been paid. There's rumors. There's in, uh, messages that they started paying the players a little bit, but again, there there are again some." Some volatility, but despite of that, Rostov are in the fifth place, and Valery Karpin is doing a very uh, good job. In the negative things, uh, obviously my team is currently on the eighth place. I don't think people expected them to be at that spot, and being so far behind the you know top five, uh, there's almost ten ten points and uh, and twenty points to the first place. So that's obviously not uh, a great story. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the the uh, the summary of of, of surprises. Uh, then uh, what what else was the question about the um, what uh, do I expect from the rest or yeah the win- what the, the final match is coming up before the winter break, and then of course what do you expect to happen? What are the things that we can look forward to over the winter break? Well, the uh, the upcoming the upcoming match day, there's a big game between uh, Krasnodar and CSKA. Uh, top, uh, both teams are above. And Spartak and Rostov are playing. So if Spartak wins, 
they can get a little bit closer to that. Uh, two teams which are in relegation sports, Sochi and Rubin, are playing. Uh, hopefully, Sochi will recover from uh, the shirts they are currently having. Um, and then, but even if they win, they still will be last place. And um, uh, in terms of expectations, uh, the first one I'm really curious what will happen at Rostov, and I'm hopefully hopefully yeah. everything will be fine because it's team interesting story. The second thing is I think there are rumors that Kurban Birdiev will return to uh, the uh, to the Russian Premier League. Uh, could be Sochi. Uh, Sochi is one of the destinations for him to come back. And uh, if he does, uh, will he be able to save Sochi in the remaining pretty much 10 games uh, from relegation, from straight relegation? And hopefully that's kind of the expectations. I hope my team will improve and Dominique Todesco will uh, have some time to, uh, to, to, to work with the team. Unfortunately, Spartak was declined uh, visas to United States of America, so I'm not going to be able to uh, see them play live in Orlando. Um, that's that's my biggest uh, disappointment of the upcoming uh, uh, season. That is yeah, actually that's, a, kind of a, that's an interesting story. So I didn't realize it was because of the visas, Tim. Yeah, yeah, they got they got visas. They um, yeah, the players got declined visas. Not ever. It was it was very hard for them to receive visas. The uh, the American um, embassy were giving them a hard time. Uh, the time was running out, uh, and pretty much they come came across problems of receiving American visas uh, for players to go to states, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. That's an, that's an interesting story because how is that going to pan out? Um, I mean, it's still a few years down the road, but if Russian players all of a sudden have issues getting, getting visas. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a surprising story. Um, really curious how to, how that's going to work out because I know the, the hockey teams come here to travel all the time, but I guess that's Canada, not the United States. So we'll have to guess yeah. maybe keep an eye on that a little bit. Um, the story about Rostov is an intriguing one. Andrew, um, I kind of hope that we would not talk about problems, financial problems when it comes to Rostov anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But I guess, um, here we are again. So are we going to queue in? And this is, this is maybe my little bit of an expectation. Rostov are on 34 point, 31 points, three points behind second place locomotive. Financial problems. They're going to make the Champions League. Heard it here first. What do you think? <laughs> I, actually, I actually am going to go the other way. I think they're going to, um, and I say that for two reasons. One, because of the the difficult situation they've got on and off the pitch, but mostly off the pitch. The the, the financial problems with Rostov are never far around the corner. Yeah. But secondly, um, you've got you've got Dynamo Moscow on such good form, but also in desperate need of European football themselves, and we know that. Powerful teams with lots of money behind them, desperate to get into Europe, um, find their paths uh, smoothed somewhat, uh, shall we say. Uh, I suspect that Dynamo will um, will put a very, very good fight up to get into that top five. Um, and Spartak too. Um, I expect Spartak and Dynamo both to be fighting hard. Um, when you when you also consider that Russia has fallen behind Portugal in the UEFA club coefficient standings, which is critical because if they stay that way by the time the next three-year cycle comes around, Russia will lose a European place. Um, does Russia want Rostov to represent them in Europe? Because yeah. in the state they're in, 
you'd wonder, you'd worry about their ability to attract new players and perform. Whereas Dynamo, Moscow and Spartak have a much, much stronger squads on paper and financial backing too. So, I mean, in the nicest possible way, I think for the good of Rostov long term, um, yes, okay, you could argue there's a, a quick burst of income if they get a European campaign, but um, they're very, very unlikely to get guaranteed group stage football um, at this rate. So, is there any point in them being in the playoffs at all? Because we've seen what being in Europa League playoffs can do to clubs. Ufa and Arsenal Tula both suffered in the last two years from being in the playoffs. So, um, personally, I see Rostov dropping out of the top five. And at the current, on current form, Dynamo Moscow would have to say the favourite Spartak close behind them. Mm, an interesting one. Definitely going to see if, if you're right with that prediction. But you mentioned Europe already, boys. Um, so let's start with the Champions League. Again, we know Lokomotive are already out. Um, Zenit have still a chance to advance. They beat Lyon in that, um, their, their final home match. Um, off, off the, the group stage, they're now, um, away, I believe, against Benfica. And, um, Leipzig are, of course, already qualified. So they have it pretty much in their own hands to, to still make it through to the round of 16, um, they need, I think, a draw at least, right, Andrew, to, to qualify for the Europa League, the third place, just to secure that, um, in case they need to. So pretty decent campaign for them already. Locomotive, we chatted a little bit last week, and I, I'm kind of curious about your opinion about this too, Tim. Um, their results look a lot worse than they actually were. Yeah, absolutely. Especially those games against Juventus. Like they gave Juventus a bit of a hard time. So I think there's improvement considering compared to the last season. Um, even the result is fairly similar. Uh, but the, I think, uh, I think you agree that there is a progress. Yeah. Uh, like most of players that was their second time playing the Champions League football. And obviously Alexei Miranchuk uh, showed himself a Really, really hard. There are some rumors that um, Juventus is now interested because he had two great games, and um, people have been saying that yes, POP the scouts are looking out for uh, Miranchuk brothers, both of them. Um, so obviously, you know, like I think there's, you can't really say it's a positive experience. Positive experience in that group would have been Europa League qualification, but it doesn't seem like it is um, possible at this point. So, um, but I think the progress is there. And to, to be honest, yeah, the, the draw was pretty, you know, pretty, pretty tough on Lokomotiv, uh, this year. So if I were Lokomotiv fan, I would, I would look positively at this story because you, you really had two big games against Juventus, um, uh, win against Leverkusen that, that first game, I, I believe it was. It's definitely an improvement because the last year it was a, a, a extremely dull games versus Schalke. And overall, the campaign was kind of disappointing. This time, there's exciting moments. So I would say this is a progress and uh, good for Lokomotiv and good for their players, especially Miranchuk brothers. If they get a big transfer somewhere to Europe, especially to a top club or even a medium level club, that's good for the national team because we see how Galavin improved in Europe. So uh, I think it's overall a pretty, not ideal scenario, no, but it's not a, not a bad story. Mm. And Andrew, the, the Europa League, um, teams, Krasnodar still with a very good chance to advance. They're playing Getafe, CSKA, Moscow, mm. however, are out. It's been a very disappointing Europa League campaign for CSKA. 
Because when you look at this group with uh, Ludo Goretz and Ferenc Varos, you know, Espanol, a Spanish side from La Liga, we always expected them to do well, but, you know, the other two well, teams... Horrible in La Liga. Absolutely horrible yeah, in but, La Liga. Yeah, but, you know, they're still a Spanish team. They, they always do really well in the Europa League, right? Um, but, you know, you would at least expect CSKA <clears throat> to finish second in that group, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, as, and as, as Tim rightly points out, Espanyol have a reputation for being relatively tight, but yeah. they've been absolutely appalling this season. So if that's the strongest opponent in the group and they're in such awful form, it really doesn't say much for, for Tesco this season. They've been so unbelievably disappointing. And I, I, I would even, I would say the results do match their performances. Their performances have been so, so flat. And this is what I just don't understand about them. They frustrate me. They irritate me even because they've got such a good young squad that's now been together for a good 18 months playing pretty well. Yeah, they've dropped off a little towards the end of last season, perhaps, but they're a young side that played together really well. They've got, they're gaining experience all the time. Um, and yet in Europe, I don't buy into any any theory that people may have that well because they're young they're inexperienced in Europe mm. and that's why they're not performing they've just been just just been very very poor there's not enough character in that squad I think one of the problems is um, and not necessarily entirely his own fault per se but Fyodor Chalov being pretty much unchallenged as the striker for the last two years now I wouldn't say he's being complacent but you know, he's, he's the poor lad's probably exhausted half the time yeah. um, he, he's just it's just been a really, really poor campaign for Tisca. And I say that as somebody who, as a relative outsider um, to the top teams in the Russian Premier League, I, I'm, a, I'm fond of Tisca. I like the build that they have got. Um, so I feel let down by them. But look, let's try and be on the positive side. Krasadar, like you mentioned, they still, they still have a chance possibly even to win the group mathematically. And so they go to Spain with a lot to play for. They're going to have to, they're going to have to get a result. Um, if they can, uh, they're going to have to score at least twice, I think, which is a big ask. I know, but if they can, if they can score twice, then they'll be, they can be comfortable. But we've seen they've done, they've done it against the odds before already, even this calendar year, um, beating Porto away, for example. So, if Krasadar can get through, then if I would still say it's a disappointing campaign for Russian clubs as a whole in the Europa League, but it's better than nothing at least. Um, and uh, I think it'll be very, very interesting to watch that game, that Katafe uh, Krasnodar game. Yeah, I think so too. And of course, we're going to have all the previews for the final round of the Europa League and Champions League on on the Football Grad Network. Um, it's been quite a long heading back to Germany on on Saturday to do to, to see the the final the final stages of the group stage. Um, so it's 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 going to be going to be very interesting. I feel that um, yeah, that we that we're going to have some surprises, maybe some shocks, um, just like we had all season long. Anyways, guys, um, we're out of time, so. Tim, I'm going to give you the floor first, as you recently have returned to this podcast. What do you have to plan? <laughs> oh, my friend, I'm, I've been super busy with job and super busy with music. I have so much things going on. Um, that's pretty much, the, to be serious, that's the reason I've been absent from the podcast. But mm, in terms of the events, I'm uh, doing a big uh, Christmas punk rock festival in Vancouver this Saturday. There will be 10 bands playing the music from 5 till 12 o'clock. 
Uh, 10 bands playing at the venue called The Wise Hall. This is on the Saturday in Vancouver, the event which I call Christmas Rager. Mm-hmm. And my band will be headlining this event. So it's, um, if you're listening in Vancouver and you have no plans to do on Saturday, this is going to be the party. Oh, I'm, I'm too bad that I'm actually on a plane flying uh, via Toronto to Munich. So sadly missing it once again, Tim. But one of these days, I'm, I'm going to make it over there and go to one of those yeah. concerts. Yeah, it's go- it has to happen. Um, but Andrew, how about you? What do you have to plug? Well, I'll be honest, I'm very tempted to jump on a private jet and get straight over to Vancouver yes. for this weekend. That yes. sounds amazing. Um, unfortunately, I don't quite have the funds to rent out my private jet for this weekend so mm-hmm. i'll still be in Man, unfortunately um but in terms of plugs uh not a huge amount except um our project at heart of football is almost ready to launch our website where anybody who is a writer is interested they feel free um to get in touch uh, we're on facebook and youtube and twitter and uh instagram so have a look and we bring some interesting stories from around the world Fantastic stuff. Yeah, give that a follow. Give Andrew a follow at Andrew MIJ Flint and it's uh Russian Tim no Russian Tim sixty one Tim sixty one on Twitter and then of course you can follow me at Manuel V E T H is my last name. Um and follow at Football Grout Live for, for all this content, this podcast, the game pressing podcast, the, the previous that we're doing, match reports that we're doing. Uh Chris and I are going to spend the second half of next week together. Um working hard in Leverkusen and Köln and uh, hopefully a trip to Gladbach as well. So there's going to be um, some really good content coming across the board. Anyways, guys, that it is it from from us this week. Until next week, Dos Vidanien. the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.